This is Austin Real Estate Investing. Austin Real Estate Investing. We'll be discussing real estate investing in Austin, Texas, and bringing you experts from all different sectors of the real estate game. Your host, Jordan Moorhead, is a real estate agent and investor in Austin and is here to help you get started or to build your portfolio and explore new strategies. All right. Hi, guys. This is Austin Real Estate Investing. And today we have Diego Corzo on. Diego is a real estate investor and also a realtor in Austin, Texas. And he has a great story he's going to tell you about. So real quick, Diego, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and, and who you are? Yeah. So I am a realtor here in Austin. I've been doing it full time since 2015. I am with Keller Williams. I have a real estate team. And uh, last year, I sold 33 homes on my own. Um, the team sold around 85. And then so far this year, I've sold over 30 now, um, which has been awesome. But prior to that, I used to be a software developer for General Motors. And uh, that was when I graduated college in 2012. 2013, I moved to Austin and been here ever since. Awesome. Yeah, 33 homes is pretty good yeah. for one year. That's awesome, man. And also, fellow KW realtor, I love KW. Um, I'm sure you do too. Yeah. So, Diego, our show's about real estate investing. Could you tell us how you're involved in real estate investing and how you also help real estate investors? Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, a part of being a realtor, um, I consider myself an investor-friendly realtor because I'm also an investor. I own, um, so I started investing here in Austin through the strategy called house hacking. But I've, uh, at some point I had like six, four to six properties between Pflugerville and, and Austin. Uh, and then I sold a couple and now my portfolio consists of 15 properties. Um, that are some are in Austin, some are in Florida, and I have nine or ten Airbnbs in Tennessee in the Smoky Mountains. So I've uh, I have multiple areas, multiple strategies, but at the end of the day, uh, it at the end of the day, I love the passive income. Uh, I love that putting my money to work, and of course, in helping people here here in here in Austin, a lot of. Uh, a lot of my clients are millennials who are trying to get started. Absolutely. Well, there's a few things there I'd like to talk about. Obviously, house hacking in Austin, which both you and I do, if you could just talk a little bit about that and why you think house hacking is such a powerful strategy. Yeah, so house hacking is, this, is one of the best strategies for anybody that wants to get into real estate, but they, do not, they may not have that much money to put for a down payment because um, there's, there's different types of loans that one can get with, a, um, with an owner-occupant loan, right? The idea of house hacking is you buy a single family home, you can live in the master, rent out the, rent out the rooms um, so that you can live with roommates, or you can buy a duplex, triplex, or quadplex, live on one side while you rent out the others, and uh, the good part about this is that with an FHA loan or conventional USDA or VA loan, you can buy a house with as little as zero money down, uh, all the way, of course, to 20 to 20% 20 down, right? But the idea is that if you can get into a property from zero to 5% down, 
and get your foot in the door investing in real estate, like people think that they need $60,000, $40,000. And sometimes, I mean, not, not many people may have that amount of cash. But if you take that owner occupant part of it, you can buy a home with less than $15,000 or, or $10,000, which is how I bought my first house hack here in Austin. And you're still house hacking right now, correct? Yes. So I live in a duplex right now with my girlfriend and uh, it is hers. So we live yeah. on one side and rent out the other. Awesome. Yeah, no, I'm still doing the same thing. I've been house hacking since 2016 and I really don't see when I will quit doing that. So mm-hmm. I love yeah. it personally. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a great way to like, for, for people that are starting out, it's definitely a great way to reduce your living expenses so that you can continue to save money uh, and putting it to work into, into other properties. And my favorite part of, of doing this on the house hacking side too, is that you can qualify for an owner-occupant loan once a year or every two years. So literally, if you're like, okay, let's say you read Rich That Poor That and you're like, okay, I want to get into real estate, but I don't have a job that can make that I can save $40,000 every year or every two years, right? Um, by you being able to, let's say year one, you buy your first house hack, you reduce your living expenses. Let's say now you're living for free uh, or for a couple of hundred bucks. Um, later in year two or year like two and a half, you can buy another one. You move from the first one to the second one and you repeat the process again and again. I believe that you can get up to four owner-occupant loans and 10 overall conventional loans un- until the bank is like, hey, like you might need to get a commercial loan or whatever, but, uh, but it gives you the opportunity to buy, to go from one property to another with low money down. Absolutely. And, y- and you know as well as I, once you start buying investment properties, those 3.5% down payments seem like almost free properties. So. Exactly. It's a lot exactly. of fun. So tell us about your Airbnbs in Tennessee. I actually recently just took a trip to the Smoky Mountains and loved it and yeah. saw the opportunity there. Where, where did you go in Tennessee? Uh, Gatlinburg. Okay, cool. So that's where I have, uh, that's where I have my, my, the properties. So I took the strategy. So those in, with, with those properties, I am more of like a passive investor. I have a property manager who's a business partner. Um, he basically provides, I provide the down payment for most of the properties. And then he provides all of the, all of the work um, in making sure that the stager goes out there to make sure that everything looks Airbnb ready. He, he provides the funds for, for the make ready and any of the capital expenses. And then he takes a management fee. Now with those, um, because I am not in the area, I've only been there twice. What, what the, the way that we did the partnership uh, was more from the perspective that I wanted to be as precautious as possible because I don't want... Be, because it was an air, an area that I didn't know. I, I told him that I will feel more comfortable with like a one bedroom or two bedroom condo or cabin. Um, so right now, most of our properties are either studio cabins or studio condos all the way to one to two bedrooms. And we have eight or 10 of those right now. 
we are under contract right now on one of them. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been going really well. Uh, I mean, we're recording this podcast, uh, in August of 2020, by the way, I just turned 30 and I bought my first property when I was 23, 24. Um, but, uh, a few months ago, it was a scary time because we, with our Airbnbs and for anybody that wants to check out a bit more of the properties that I have on Airbnb, you guys can go to smokiestime.com, smokiestime.com. That's where we have, like, we show off all of our properties and, uh, we went from 96% occupancy to 27, 29. And the average in Gatlinburg for April was 10. So we were still doing great. Um, And as an investor, right, because this is an investor podcast, uh, the whole coronavirus COVID thing uh, caused us to be like, okay, how much, like really, how can we optimize our business to make sure that we don't that we do not lose money or how can we basically have as least amount of expenses as possible uh, and that has actually helped us because we were able to cut down like 3 to 4000 in in expenses um, uh, that now we are able to profit um, which I, which I think is pretty which I think is pretty good is it it, it was needed because um, now we're back to like 85 or 90% occupancy or even better. So now we're like back to normal. But when the parks closed down and everything, um, we, 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 really hit, um, we really hit a point where we're like, okay, do we have enough cash to say, can we hold on to these properties for the next like year if, um, if, things, if things don't open up? Fortunately, we did. I'm a pretty conservative guy um, on, on my funds. So I'm a big believer that um, right now, right? Because I still think that we are like Austin, personally, it's a super unique, un- unique market area, right? But other areas, I feel like we're definitely sort of like on the peak, and so I'm not investing on a property and say, okay, I know that in two years, all this appreciation is going to be awesome. I want to make sure that I have cash reserves just in case, um, six to eight months per property, um, especially on the Airbnb side, just in case. Um, so that definitely helped us when all of this came down with, with COVID and Corona, we were like, okay, like no matter what, we will be okay. We have enough funds for like six months to a year. Um, but transferring back to the Austin market, I feel like um, Austin is a unique place just because we have so many people coming in. We have so many companies coming here. Um, but, but yeah, on the, this, the way that I've been able to, to invest though has allowed me to diversify. Um, because I have my house hacking and sort of like long, long-term investments here in Austin. I have some long-term investments in Florida and the Smokies is just Airbnb. So it allows me to diversify on, on different types of investing. Absolutely. And I think house hacking in general allows you to take risks. So when I got started house hacking personally, I wasn't a realtor. I owned another business that was very steady and house hacking allowed me to jump out and take that risk to be a realtor, maybe not make yeah. money for six months to a year, but I didn't need any money because I lived for free. 
So exactly. That's why I love house hacking. And you talk about now you're able to take risks in the Smoky Mountains and also invest in Florida. So in Florida, are you all long-term rentals over there? Those are long-term. My brother is a wholesaler and, uh, and I bought some properties over there. I wouldn't, I got, I wouldn't be buying there again right now. Um, just because of the way how, how all the appreciation has been happening. I was buying in C areas or like C, C minus. I wouldn't buy in C minus areas anymore. I've learned my lesson. Um, but because I bought them in 2015, 2016, I was buying properties for literally like 25K, 30K over there, much different than in Austin. Um, but those properties appreciated, like I was able to sell two of them for around 50. Um, so on paper, it looks great uh, with like after we sold them, but we had like two evictions a year on each of those. And we're like, you know what, we're, we're done because we had to put in some money in for the eviction. Then we had to take, then we had to do some renovations, like change out the carpet and all this other stuff. So we were actually putting in more money and we were lucky that by the time that we sold it, um, it did appreciate a lot. But right now I still have a quadplex, uh, a duplex, and I believe a single family in Florida. Awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned the Austin market being different than, than other markets. I want to touch on that a little bit. Yeah. So we're in a, an interesting situation here in August of 2020. We're right in the middle of the pandemic. And it seems like nothing has really slowed down in Austin. For instance, mm-hmm. there's still companies moving there. A few weeks ago, Tesla decided, hey, we're moving into town. We, I, I, you probably read some of the same stuff I do. I read the Austin Business Journal every morning. And it seems mm-hmm. like every week another big company is moving into town. And I just hear of all sorts of people and companies and, and different types of jobs moving into town all the time. So I know, I know we're not making any predictions here. But I guess kind of talk a little bit about your knowledge of the Austin market and what's going on right now. So we're not going to talk about what we think might happen in the future, but what's, what's happening right now with home sales and let's say house hacking sales too. Yeah. So inventory right now, it's very low, <laughs> which, um, and of course not predicting anything, right. But it's really hard to see where we will be in the next coming months because, um, Austin, like if we compare Austin to, to other cities, to, to other areas, I feel like Austin has grown, even though we're in the middle of a pandemic, just because mm-hmm. as you were saying, there's other companies that do want to get up, get out of other states or, uh, because we're in the central time zone. A lot of companies think, okay, we need a, our company in California, in New York. And when they think central time zone, they come to Austin just because of tech friendly and there's also no no income taxes in Texas. Now the one thing that I have to say for the people here, the thing that is that sucks, I guess, a little bit is that the property taxes are higher than Absolutely. in other than in other states. So I was talking with uh, with an investor in North Carolina and when we were running numbers on a property that was like two eighty or three hundred, his property taxes for a year are eighteen hundred. And I was like, dude, here in Austin for a property that's 300, it's around eight, 7,000 or $8,000, right? So on the house hacking side, um, 
Two, I recommend if people are house hacking to get four bedroom homes because of the fact that property taxes here are a little bit higher. It allows you like one, one room will pay sort of for the, for the property taxes. Um, that's just like a rule of thumb, just, just in case with, uh, with a three bedroom, it's hard to cash flow. But let me reel it back to the, to the first question that you asked about the Austin market. Um, what I, what, what I have been seeing too, is that a lot of people now that companies like tech companies are allowing people to work remote. I've worked with, I've talked to a couple of people, Dropbox or Apple, uh, Facebook that, that work, for example, in California, that they're planning to move to Austin because it is much more affordable to live here. And, the, and those companies, even though they can work remote, they also have an office in Austin. So Austin is, is unique from that perspective because a lot of the tech companies, they're also, they also have offices here. We're in a part two where like Amazon who bought, Amazon bought Whole Foods and the Whole Foods headquarters is in Austin. So we, so we get a little bit of like, of better opportunities in, in that way as Austin continues to grow. We're also about to get our first MLS team. Um, so that's going to bring more like tourism to more, more, more events. So Austin is a city that we have like UT, Un University of Texas. We're going to have a, we're about to get our MLS team. Um, Apple is creating their second headquarters or something in North Austin. Then we have Tesla in Southeast Austin. So it's definitely growing a lot. Oracle, um, I heard that uh, Zoho, uh, who is, which is a company, it's, a, it's like a CRM company based out of India. Um, they're building their second headquarters here in East Austin as well. So, um, so it's definitely interesting to see, see what's going to be happening. And because of the demand of sales, um, there are, there's still, there is still a lot of appreciation happening just because there's not enough supply. Absolutely. Yeah. With 1.8 months of supply, I'd say we're pretty far behind the curve. Um, six months of supply being a balanced market. And, you know, I think you bring up a bunch of good points there. There's so many companies moving there. I've also talked to people from bigger cities. People think people are going to flee the cities because of the pandemic, but People still want to be around fun stuff. I live in East Austin. Yeah. So I really enjoy the atmosphere and what's close to it. So um, if, if you want more information on the business happenings in Austin, I really recommend the Austin Business Journal. I want to say it's $30 a year or something, just almost free. You know, it's so cheap. And they have great information on where companies are going. So yeah. yeah great points, Diego. All right. So moving on here. Um, could you tell us about maybe your worst deal that you've worked on, whether or not it be as a realtor or also as an investor and maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. some things on how you could have done that better and give some people some knowledge there? Yeah. And I would say it wouldn't be the, the worst, but I would say it was the most challenging. Um, be, so I listed a property with my business partner um, that had 12, it had, so the, the father passed away years ago without a will and they had 12 siblings. So 12, 12, 12 kids. Um, 
but they were all now much older. So they were like 50, 60, 80, like they're now much older. And um, what was interesting was that a f- there, they, there were two brothers lived in the property. One didn't want to sell. And when we put the home on the market for sale, um, he, would, um, he would hide the, the sign or he would tell the realtors, he's like, hey, no, I'm sick. I cannot show it to you today, stuff like that. So we had to get the older sister to contact him. And basically the older sister had to kick him out. Uh, but just to get the signatures, the affidavits, get everybody on board to let them know, hey, we're going to sell father's house that we've had for years. And then, um, and then when we put it under contract, this is something that I don't usually do often, but because there, there were roof issues, the realtor that was buying the property, because it was going to be an investment property for her that she was going to renovate and stuff. Um, the roofer, they had an argument between the realtor who was the buyer and the roofer and the roofer left halfway in between the job and it rained. So then we're dealing with like water inside the house and all this other stuff. But long story short, um, everything got fixed. We were able to get everything done, but closing to arranging closings with like power of attorneys and the 12 siblings, it was just a lot. So it was, uh, it was something that I definitely learned um, a lot in communication and making sure that all of the parties uh, all of the parties are involved, that they are aware. Um, yeah. Like, and then at closing one, like one sibling um, was in jail and they had released, they had released the, um, they had released like their kids, their, their kids, uh, like they weren't taking care of their kids anymore. So now it was sort of like another family member adopted the kid. And so now the kid is also part owner of the house. Like it was a mess, but uh, that was the most challenging. I wouldn't consider it the worst, but it was definitely the most challenging deal. And it happened to be in Austin. <laughs> yeah. 12 people. And especially if a few of them don't want to sell that, that gets to be really hard. Yeah. So so Diego, it sounds like you started out in the tech industry. Mm-hmm. What attracted you to real estate investing and just real estate in general? Yeah, so I, when I was in college, I read the book Rich Dad Poor Dad. And that book taught me two things, that you can either trade your time for money or you can make your money work for you. So I knew that no matter what, if I had a salary job coming out of college, because I studied uh, information technology and management information systems, which is basically technology and business. Um, So I knew that I was going to make my money in the beginning um, working for somebody or doing my own thing on the tech side, but I wanted to live below my means so that I could invest it in real estate. Because I was like, after reading Rich Dad Poor Dad, I was like, okay, I'm I'm deciding to, to invest in real estate. Now, there are many avenues, right? I could have chosen the stock market. I could have chosen Bitcoin, whatever. You, there's so many different ways of investments. I chose real estate. And uh, what I did like about it is that 
I like the passive income part of it and the things that, okay, it made sense for me. Like I can buy an asset where somebody will live in it and then they will pay rent. Um, so yeah, that's what I chose real estate. But in between that time, as I was as, uh, as an employee, um, working for GM, I was living below my means and saving as much as I can. And house hacking gave me the opportunity that at 24 to live for free. And I had my mortgage pay. So my mortgage payment was getting paid by my tenants and also the extra cash that was coming in from my tenants covered my car payment. So I've been living for free and my car payment has been getting paid for since I was 24. And because I didn't have student debt, um, because I couldn't get into student debt, uh, I was able to leave my corporate job because as you, as you were saying, um, house hacking definitely gives you options, right? Because now you're living for free. You're not depend. I wasn't dependent on my salary job. Um, so I was like, you know what? I'm living for free. I know that I can, if I cannot make a sale in real estate, I can probably help people rent and still make some money. Um, and that's what allowed me to basically to pull the trigger and then having great mentors. Um, and when I said earlier about me not, not being able to get into student loans or anything like that is because I am a dreamer uh, and, I am, and I am part of the DACA program, which basically means that I came here as a kid um, and uh, my parents, we overstayed our visas. We became undocumented. Uh, and then it wasn't until I was 22 years old that I was finally able to work and drive for the first time. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been a crazy journey, especially because like by 22, couldn't work or drive. By 23, 24, I bought my first property. And now by 27, I had 10. And now at 20, at 30, I had 15. So that's awesome. That's incredibly motivating, I'm sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> motivating for me. So yeah, it's really just no matter what your circumstances are, there's a way. And where there's a will, there's a way. So what, what, what is your best mindset advice? It seems like you have just a great mindset and you've been able to accomplish so much in such a little amount of time. Mm -hmm. um, and I've seen you do some of it and seen you hit some milestones. So congratulations. Yeah. And, you know, I love seeing your progress. So what's your best mindset advice for people? The best mindset, I would say that, and this is something that I learned from Hal Elrod. He has a quote that says, don't let your, circumstance, don't let your circumstances guide you, but your vision should guide you. Because a lot of people, they feel like they're in, uh, that their circumstances are stopping them. And they're like, oh, I can't do this because of this, because of that. Um, or they begin to blame other people. My main thing would be like, if you let your vision guide you to take action, your circumstances are not going to matter. Um, I, have a, I have a quote that I'm a big believer that if the door of opportunity is closed, I go through the window. And uh, it's been like at 15, I found out that I was undocumented. Like I knew that I was undocumented, um, but it didn't really hit me until I turned 15 years old when I went to get my driver's license. and. Uh, that's when I knew that my life was going to be different than my friends. At age 18, I graduated 
high school, third in my class, and I found out that I couldn't qualify for a lot of scholarships or grants or even student loans because I didn't have a green card or I wasn't a citizen. At age 19, I found out I couldn't legally work in the States. Um, so I had to figure out other ways to make money. I created my own company. I created an LLC. Uh, and then, so like, I've had to get creative and I feel like your circumstances um, can be a blessing too because you get different sets of skills. I feel like I'm very creative in, uh, in, find, in finding ways to make deals happen in helping other clients too, like house hackers here. I'm like, I, I would say uh, creativity is, is a skill that I've been able to, to actually get. But I feel like on the mindset side, the questions that you ask yourself have, um, can, change your, can change your life. And when I went to Tony Robbins' event called U, U, UPW, Unleash the Power Within, he mentioned that the power of questions, right, is super important. A lot of people ask themselves, like, why is this happening to me? And they take the victim mentality. But if they ask themselves, why is this happening for me? You can take the empowered mentality. And that's how I live my life. No matter what my situation is, okay, why is this happening for me? What can I, what can I learn? How can I move forward? And how I can use this situation to my advantage? Awesome. That's very powerful advice right there. Um, I think everybody could learn a little something from that. Yeah, rewind this part a little bit and listen to that again. And there's, <laughs> there's always a way. Um, it's, it's not why is this happening to me, but why is this happening for me? And how can I use it to get better? Yeah, for sure. So Diego, what's one thing newer investors should know? So if you're looking to house hack or if you're looking to buy your first investment, what would you think a, a good piece of advice would be for them? Uh, good in what I think a good investor should know. So I feel like they need to have the right real estate team. That's number one. They need to be working with an investor-friendly realtor, the right lender, or maybe the right wholesaler, whatever that is, but your team is going to be the most important one. The second thing is that you need to know, because for the people that are in Austin, the Austin market moves quick. <laughs> hey, I, um, it's not like I saw this property and now I'm going to talk to a lender. It's more like you're already pre-qualified. You're already approved. Um, you already know, potentially you've already seen a couple of properties already and you know the type of property that's in different zip codes or subdivisions so that you can pull the trigger right away. So having the right team will, will definitely help you. Uh, and then knowing the types of properties that are in particular areas so that you can pull the trigger right away. Absolutely. I think that's really important. You know, the last duplex I bought, even though it was on the market for 41 days when I put it under contract, I put an offer in within an hour and there was another offer in at the same time. So don't ever assume that something's going to wait around for you. You really just have to jump on it. And, you know, you have the option period and inspections to figure it out. So mm -hmm. exactly. shoot first, ask questions later with that type of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> So Diego, we've talked a lot about books. What's your favorite business or mindset book? I know you mentioned Rich Dad, Poor Dad already. And yeah. also Hal Elrod, who writes The Miracle Morning. Exactly. Give us one more. Yeah. Um, business side, I would say The E-Myth is really good. And mindset, I would say Psychosar by, 
psychocybernetics. Psychocybernetics? Yeah, psychocybernetics. Like, never heard of that one. What's it's that about? Like, it's freaking amazing. So I read part of it years ago. And then with my real estate team, we've been, we've been reading a chapter a week and then we, and then we discuss it. A lot of the stuff has to do with, uh, and is written by Maxwell, Maxwell Maltz. Maxwell Maltz. Um, it's a lot about your self-image. Uh, and it's interesting because for, for people that have gone to, to Tony Robbins' events, it's like he took psychocybernetics and then created Unleash the Power Within and They With Destiny from that book. Just be, it's, it's insane um, how your self-image how you see yourself, no matter what the circumstances are, it's how you are going to act. To, to act. And he mentions how happiness is not a thing that happens to you. It's a choice. You can choose to be happy. And um, I believe that um, you should be happy no matter what circumstances you, you, you are, uh, what's, what circumstances you, you have. And, uh, this is another quote from, from Hal Elrod. He says, I'm trying to remember it because I wrote it down and I say, say it a few times, but it's like, um, you, can, you choose to be happy now as you're, as you're chasing the life of your dreams. Because a lot of people think that you will reach happiness when you reach a goal. A lot of people think that you're going to be happy, let's say, once you become a millionaire or once you get your first house or whatever, Right. Um, I feel like you can be happy no matter what the circumstances are, but you can still be hungry to, to get to your next goal. Because at the end of the day, money, like you can talk about creating passive income and all this other stuff, but money doesn't buy you happiness. Money just gets you choices. And the reason why money, passive income is so well, it's so awesome is because you, it gets you different choices, different freedoms, but it's not for happiness. Absolutely not. Completely agree. And yeah, I, I love that quote too. I actually just read that the other day. I can't remember which book. Um, but yeah, no, you, you've got to be happy now. You've got to be happy with what you've got. That doesn't mean you can't pursue more, you know, but yeah. always be happy with what you have. You know, I think if you're, if you're here and you woke up this morning, that's something to be happy about. Mm -hmm. doesn't mean you can't want to buy another house or start a new business or whatever you want to do, but, you know, exactly. be happy with what you've got and, and you're going to have a much better life. Exactly. All right, Diego. So awesome mindset advice there. I think, uh, I really think mindset is so important. And if you're trying to pursue a big goal, you really have to have that why and you have to know what you're doing and you have to be happy with what you've got before you can go after something bigger. So. You know, I know you've got a lot going on, Diego. I know you have a mastermind group and you have uh, Airbnbs and Gatlinburg and a real estate business in Austin. So how yeah. can people best get a hold of you and what's, what's the best way to reach out to you if they want more information? Yeah, if they want more information, uh, they can go, they can follow me on Instagram at, uh, at real Diego Corzo, or they can send me an email to info at diegocorzo.com. And uh, if they do want to get more information for the mastermind group, uh, they can go to ratrace2fi.com. And the goal there is to basically um, just help. Uh, it's basically, we have a lot of millennials. We're coaching like 40 people right now. 
And the goal is to help them buy their first property to around their fourth property. Because that's usually like what I feel comfortable in teaching and being able to help and provide resources. Um, So yeah, it's been awesome. We have a Slack group. We have a Facebook group. We have two calls a week. And uh, it creates accountability because I feel like what stops a lot of people from taking their first step is usually analysis paralysis. And they usually get analysis paralysis because they're not surrounded by the right people and the right community. And that's what we try to provide. Absolutely. And I I totally agree. That first deal was absolutely the hardest. It took me six months or so to get my first deal done. And, you know, I probably looked at 50 that would have worked and just kept saying, oh, this isn't right. This isn't right. I didn't know what was right. And nobody around me knew what was right. So it's really important to have a community and a group like that to tell you, hey, you know, it's, it's not that scary. Here's what you can expect and, and here's how you do it. So exactly. awesome. Um, really, really encourage you to reach out to Diego and talk to him about rat race, rat race to FI. Um, that accountability is huge there. So anything else you'd like people to, to know about the things you're doing right now? Is there anything else they should reach out to you about? Um, no, I mean, if, uh, if anybody has house hacking questions, they can definitely let me know. Uh, I'll be more than happy to answer or to hop on a call. Um, I would say just like another, like a quick tip, um, for people that are in, that are starting their investment journey, I would just say that, um, and this is something that I learned from my mentors, uh, is that a lot of people wait to, they think that their first deal is going to be a home run. Uh, but I usually tell people to just get to first base, just get to first base in your first deal, just begin to take action because you will learn so much that the second deal and the third deal are going to be much easier. But if you don't get to first base, you're not in the game, you're not playing. So, um, I would say just start taking action and get to first base. Don't focus on hitting a home run right away. Yeah, absolutely. Completely agree there too. You're not going to get rich off one deal. You know, your first deal can still be a good deal, but you really need to get started. So awesome advice there. All right, Diego. So last question here. What is your favorite restaurant in Austin? My favorite restaurant in Austin. I would have to say there's a taco truck in, uh, on East Riverside. It's called Rositas al Pastor. It's basically... Al Pastor Tacos, they are the best tacos I've had in all of Austin. They're amazing. Yeah, and that's a, that's a tough mountain to climb there to say the best tacos in all of Austin. Yeah. It's good tacos everywhere. There so. are, there are. But these ones are the best Al Pastor Tacos I've ever, I've ever had. Uh, they, their restaurant, so they have a restaurant and a food truck. The restaurant is open until 5 p.m. and the food truck is open until 2 or 3 a.m. Do you know where the restaurant is? It is, it's in the same shopping center. So East Riverside is right in front of the Starbucks um, of the East, East Riverside area. Awesome. All right, Diego. Well, thank you so much. A lot of awesome advice. Um, always look forward to talking to you and learning from you. Yes. Everybody else should, should follow you on social media and should reach out to you about Rat Race to FI if they're interested in getting started in real estate investing. And I've seen a lot of the calls you do and they're awesome. And can't wait to see more from you. If this is where you've gotten by 30, I can't wait to see what 35 holds. <laughs> awesome, Jordan. Well, thank you very much for this opportunity. And uh, yeah, happy, happy to help anytime. 
All right. Thanks, Diego. Have a great day. You're welcome. You too.